All right. Can't believe it. We are back together again. Pastor Paul here. It is Monday morning, March 22nd, 2021. And I hope you guys had a good spring break, good time down, if you had some time down. But we here at Four Oaks Church are ready to dive back into our trek through the book of Exodus. And as my friend Joe Godfrey would say, it's time to get cracking. Um, I'm not sure what that means, but but we're going to do that for sure. So we um, are really at the midway point through our study through this amazing book. And the last time we were together, we left off talking about um, God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, the, the word that was given to Moses to take down to the people from God at Mount Sinai. And as we move forward in the text, um, we're going we're gonna to see sort of what the follow-up is. How, how is God now calling them to order their lives um, for his rule and his reign? They were the possession of Egypt. Now they're his possession. And interestingly enough, um, or bizarrely enough, the very first thing that God talks to them about after giving them his, his moral law, the Ten Commandments, is how to build altars. And, and let's read this text. It's a short one that we're going to jump back into this morning. And, but we're going to talk about why it's so significant, how it ties into the, to the big picture here. But we're in Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to begin at verse 22. And it's just a, it's just a short little passage. So let's read it together. And the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the people of Israel, You have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourself gods of gold. An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it out of hewn stones, for if you wield your tool on it, you profane it. And you shall not go up step by steps to my altar, that your nakedness be not exposed on it. So let's just note the very obvious right off the top. Um, this is an, an interesting first set of decrees and commandments or instructions about how they are to order their lives and how they're to build their altar and it's to be made of this and not that and you can't use this and you can't use that. So so let, let, let's step back for a minute and and look at how this whole thing is functioning. All right. Um, so the we, we recall last time when we talked about this idea that the first two commandments um, of the Ten Commandments, that is, you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself an idol um, or, or an image of God or any god um, as part of your worship. Those two are the foundational commandments um, in the Ten Commandments, okay, because they begin with God. They begin with who he is, how we are to view him, how we're to relate to him, how we are to worship him how we are to come before him, that, that there is no rival, there is no idols, there is no, there is no other 
um, God who can, who can challenge his supremacy and sovereignty. And that all other sins that we find in the Ten Commandments flow out of some sort of distortion of those first two. Okay, so if you have a problem with lying, okay, for example, um, bearing false witness against your neighbor, um, you can trace that back to the fact that, that you may value your reputation or you may value your secrecy or being exposed or not hurting other people's feelings more than you value God, right? Which is a violation of the first commandment. Um, if you struggle um, with anger, okay, or, or wanting to, to be vengeful and, and hurtful to other people, and that becomes for you a sort of an idol, then, then you're forgetting, right, that, that God is the supreme judge, that vengeance is not, is not ours, it's, it's the Lord's, that, that we are freed by the grace of forgiveness and love and mercy to release our anger um, and entrust that to God. And so if we're having a problem with anger, um, it's really a first and second commandment issue, not so much just a murder or anger issue. So that's how the, the Ten Commandments function. Well, what happens here in these verses is, is what theologians call an insipid. And, and what that means is that the first two commandments kind of function as the, as the title or the thesis statement for the rest of the Ten Commandments. And Moses is just, um, through the, the Lord through Moses, is just re, recapitulating those, okay? He's just, he's just re drawing the people back to those first two commandments when he says, you're foreseen for yourselves, you shall make gods of silver to me and all that. He's just, he's referring them back to these first two commandments. But, but here he has specific instructions about building an altar. And we have to ask, what, what is going on here? Why, why is this the first thing that God talks to them about, okay, on the hills of these, of these commandments? Well, we have to remember what an altar was for, right? Altar was for worship. Walter, an altar was for sacrifice. An altar was in, in, in pagan okay, imagery, what you need to bring to God in order for your God to accept you or to receive you. Well, of course, in the Old Testament, um, in Yahweh, this was all flipped around, right? It's not about what we offer God. It's about him initiating grace and covenant with us, okay? And, and so the way that would happen is that um, the Israelites would bring their, their offerings and offer them, whether they were burnt offerings or animals or sacrifice, they would offer them on, on these altars. And what God is pointing them to here, okay, is this idea that he has to be worshipped according to whom he is and according to the instructions that he gives them. In other words, they weren't just free to worship God any way they like right? Um, they, they had to worship God in accordance with the means by which God had given to worship him. Um, otherwise, they were just going to be imitating the nations. They were going to be um, worshiping and sacrificing to a God of their own making, of their own image, um, versus um, worshiping God for who he truly is. And so, God has very specific instructions for them, okay? And, and one of them relates to um, the altar and God making it very clear there, there's two ways to build this altar, okay? You can either build it through dirt 
okay? So like a mound of dirt, don't, you know, the th big mound of dirt that you can offer the sacrifices on, or you can make it out of stone, okay? But if you make it out of stone, you can't cut the rock. You have to take rock as it is and kind of mold it into an altar. And we, we have to think, well, what in the world is this about? Well, again, in ancient um, ancient times, and, and this is obviously continues to, to today even, that um, oftentimes pagan altars and, and shrines were very elaborate affairs. Um, they involved ornate decoration. They involved, um, um, you know, all sorts of splendor and jewels and bling and those sorts of things so that people began to admire the altar, okay? People gave reverence to the altar or the people who built the altar, right? Um, we think about the Tower of, of Babel in Genesis 11, which was in a lot of ways an altar um, to reach up into the heavens. It was an act of worship. And so what, what God is very keen to tell Moses here is that your focus in worship should not be yourself, right? It should not be, um, people's attention should not be drawn to you. People's attention should be drawn to God. And so he, he says, make things um, very simple, okay? When you look at that altar of dirt, you should just think that's an altar of dirt, okay? And your attention should thus be directed to God, okay? Not to the ornate altar. Um, when people see that thing of stone, they shouldn't think about what a cool decorative carving, okay, that you've made. Um, they should be thinking about um, God. It should be, you shouldn't even think about the altar. It should be so unassuming, okay? And again, this was to guard against the propensity for people in that culture to make idols, to make images of, of their gods, um, where the gods, interestingly enough, it kind of came lost in all that. It became much more about the decorative features and the bells and the whistles and who made the altar. So that's the, that's the emphasis here, okay? And we have to think about how this applies to us, okay? Um, I, I was thinking about this, um, in relationship to the to the trip to the Holy Land, a number of us um, took several years ago, and we went to to see the tomb of of Jesus, right? And it's obviously a holy shrine that's been decorated and revered and honored for for now two thousand years. And we had been warned, right, that it was a pretty ornate affair, that there was a lot of pomp and circumstance and trad and and pageantry and tragedy, Freudian slip, um, but we were not prepared, I wasn't, for just the sheer um, religious ceremonial pomp that surrounded the, the tomb, right? I mean, just there was processions of people, and there was ornate rituals, and there was smoke and incense, and there was kissing of the altars, and, and I mean, it was like a holy place, but the one thing, right, that you tended to lose sight of, and it was so easy to see how, was Jesus, right? <laughs> this, I mean, so much focus was put on the relics and the sites and um, the history and all these things, which in, the, in their proper place is can be good, that it really overshadowed the very thing it was meant to celebrate. 
and I think that that's a good a good picture of what of what's of what's trying to be guarded against here. And we have to think about well, how does this apply now? Does this mean that we should not have um, any creativity or images or or decorative art in worship? Or I I don't think that's the primary point. Okay, um, I think the primary point is that we are always in our worship to be God centered and Christ centered. We are always to think about um, in our in our worship of God, both both corporate and impersonal in our day to day lives. Does this honor God? Um, does this direct attention to God? Does this focus on God, or does is this about all the horizontals? Okay, do I come out of worship thinking that 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 instrumentation was was excellent, and we hope it is excellent, right? Um, but that becomes our focus where we're each and every week where we're anticipating the pageantry, okay? Or do our hearts come out stirred by Jesus and his, and his word? Um, I think that one of the best questions to ask, and this is a tough one for Americans, right? At the end of a worship service on the way home is not to say, what did you think about church today? Or what did you think about worship today? And then we launch into our critiques or evaluations or assessments. It's much better, I think, more healthy to say, what do we think, what did God stir up in our hearts today? Um, not did I like worship, but do we think God was pleased with worship? And not just their worship, but my worship, right? And I think that 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 when we when we reorient to what worship is, whether it's gathered or scattered, right? It's not fundamentally um, about us. It's about God. Now, as we make it about God, he blesses us. He gives us blessing from that worship and fills us with his Holy Spirit and encourages us and all that is great. But if those things are run after first in exclusion to God, then we get neither, right? Or what we get is sentimentality that's not enduring and lasting. And so it's just a call for us as believers to think about everything that we are doing Related to God, does this honor him? Does this glorify him? Does this direct people's attention to him um, versus ourselves? And so there's a lot we could say. Books have been written, right, about the things we're talking about this morning. But that just gives us a little nugget to to latch on to. Okay, tomorrow, Tuesday, we're going to be into Exodus 21. And thus begins three chapters of, or four chapters of just all these civil codes and laws, which can seem very abstract, obtuse, distant from us. But as we're going to see, God has something in those for us as well. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to come before you and receive from you, from your word. And we ask now that you would um, draw our hearts to the worship of yourself, okay, for who you revealed yourself to be. We want to rightly order ourselves under your care and authority and gaze and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.